Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Good morning, howdy, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we are blessed with an individual, uh, Bracha Goats, Goets. Well, okay, it's complicated, right? Um, Like, my first name is Bracha, and the last name is Getz, as if there's no O. Bracha Getz. Bracha Getz, yeah. Awesome. And Bracha is coming to us from Israel um, in in a wild time on, I guess, today's day number five of the beginning of of all the, the wildness that is going on. Bracha, how are you doing out there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy right now here at all. Yeah. Where are you located in terms of everything that's happening on the Strip and things? I'm I'm located in the city of Beitar, which is about 20 minutes from Jerusalem. How are you holding up? I just keep thinking, keep my spirits up and just get through each day and not be fearful about what could still happen. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's part part of it? It's wild is, you know, just we scheduled this right before everything happened. Right. And, and now here we are just a couple, couple days later and it's just seemed like everything's changed so fast. Exactly. My whole life, everything has changed. Everything has changed in the world. You know, I, I, I've barely left um, the apartment that I'm staying in since um, since Saturday, I've been here. It's like kind of a lockdown. Um, uh, if you leave the apartment, I mean, there's air raid sirens and you have to be near a bomb shelter. So it's kind of scary to go out. You don't go out unless you have to and get food and stuff like that. But I'm staying close to this place. Yeah. Do you have any any family that's around, or are you alone there in, in the in the apartment? Oh, so my husband's in the apartment with me, and upstairs are my children and their family. Yeah, four four little Good. children upstairs. So they they ventured out to a park, um, the day before yesterday because they've just been home the children for so long now. So. It was kind of scary for them because there was, there had been no siren in 24 hours. And when they went out to the park, there was a siren and they had to find a building to get into and they had to find a bomb shelter and they did. And it was a group bomb shelter. So they were welcomed in. But one of my grandchildren was really like hysterical because they actually saw the missile coming down, and it was very close. It landed on a car on the street that they were on, which burst into flames. And they got into the into the bomb shelter on time, but 
other children didn't. And one, a 10-year-old boy was hospitalized with severe injuries and other children were hurt as well. So it's, yeah, you have to be careful. And, and we're in a safer area. I mean, no area is safe because we're surrounded, you know, so we're surrounded by people that don't, don't really want us to be here. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult time. Yeah. So why, why exactly do, do they not want you to be here or to be there? I don't really understand why, because, I mean, the Jewish people have really no other place. This is, this is our homeland. And 96.6% of the Middle East is Arab. And we're talking about 0.4%. Yes, it's true. We're surrounded by Arab nations, but we're okay with that. You know, we just want this little place. It's very small. It's smaller than New Jersey. And we've always, you know, had problems in keeping our homeland. So it's been contested for a long time, for millennium, you know, we've, and so the Jews have been wandering all around the world. And it, it, it's been safe for us for a long time in the United States, but, you know, history has shown what's happened to us in all different places around the world after time. So we really need a homeland and it's been a problem. It's definitely, it's been a problem for a very long time and right. being on maybe just a little of a of a younger generation where I guess it just seems that it's it's always been in that area there's always been war there's always been always um, it, it con- there's always been conflict in yes. that in that area and and part of me to really understand it to some degree um, I, I don't live there I mean I, I, I don't get it like any like anybody else who lives there will will understand it so exactly like, why is it why is it such a contingent location? I mean, Excellent. Not, just, not, not necessarily for the Jews, but other people as well. Excellent question. Um, because it is a spiritual vortex. This place is just considered the holiest land there is. And to the Jewish people, it's ex- extremely meaningful. This is where our first and second second temple was. But even going back further, um, you know, to the ancestors of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's where it's where the sacrifice was made of Isaac. It's where Jacob first made the the pillow that he prayed to God. It's it's it's. And it was promised to the Jewish people in the Bible. And it's, it's, this is, there's no place like it on earth, um, spiritually. I've, I've experienced that myself. See, I, I wasn't brought up religious. And what happened was, I, 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 you know, I went to Harvard as an undergraduate, then I went to medical school. And after my, first year of medical school, I had a six-week break and I came to Israel that summer 
And I found my heritage that summer. And I wanted to immerse myself here. So I ended up leaving medical school and staying here to study about my my Jewish heritage. So um, what I did that summer, the intensity of being in Israel was something I'd never experienced what was going on here. So, and I felt that, you know, I could have come back to the States and continued to study, but I knew to immerse myself in this place, it's such a holy place and I did not want to leave. So um, I stayed and I studied and I met my husband here and he has a similar story. He also was searching for, to fill his soul with the nourishment that he was craving. And he also um, became religious like me. (laughs) We had very similar backgrounds. Um, And... Support for Ben Thinking is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code THINKING at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 16 million balls. I got my lawnmower and weed whacker recently and I immediately put the weed whacker inside of my nostrils. No nicks, no snags, and I have never been able to smell things as good as after I used the crop, the weed whacker. The Crop Preserver makes my balls smell nice every single day that I'm in the gym. And, of course, we love that. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THINKING. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So we lived here for 10 years. Uh, We ended up going back to the States after that when my parents weren't well. And we lived there. And now our children have grown. And we're in the process of returning to live here again. So we're we're very happy to return to where we first met each other. And and, uh, this is where we are now. And what is what is the I mean what an impactful time obviously to to go from you know such a prestigious location as as Harvard everybody knows everyone has this place in such high regard and then to start your your further education after that in in a society over here in the Western world where you know medical students and medical school is held in such high regard I think partly just because of the the intelligence that it takes but also because of the the financial status that it brings and then to give that up because of the the search for something a little bit more fulfilling uh, what what felt fulfilling and and in terms of or spiritually fulfilling at the time exactly it was such an easy decision for me that's the thing 
It was hard on my parents. They thought I flipped out and joined a cult, when meanwhile, it was their own heritage that had gotten lost, you know? But for me, it was so easy. Why? Because I was suffering from food addictions and eating disordered behavior, um, which got worse during college and got the worst of all during medical school. So I looked successful on the outside. Inside, I was suffering terribly. And why? Well, you know, I, I wrote about it in my memoir. This is my only book for adults because I don't write long things. I write books for children. But this book, I just, I found my old diaries and then I found my journals and letters and I filled in the missing pieces. So it's like a documentary. You watch a person slowly developing food addictions and then the process of healing. It's, it's, it goes from ages 12 to 32. And it's that whole transformation. So like, but the, at the end of the book is when I had the epiphany. It's like a, a psychological mystery. Why, when I became observant, what did that have to do with healing from the food addictions? What did one thing have to do with the other? So that was my hypothesis that, it was my soul that was starving. And once it got the nourishment that it was craving, there was no longer a need for the addictions. What an impactful story, I think, for a lot of people that, you know, again, I think in this unfortunate place of being in the Western world, this like corporate America idea of always trying to move, 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 and success is the only thing that you stop and you finally turn and like, Oh, I don't, I don't talk to my friends. I don't talk to my family. I haven't, I don't like visit for dinner. I don't go back home. I don't know where my parents are. And you finally look up and you're like, man, what, why was I working so hard for who was I working for? Was it the status for everybody else or was it really for me? And I think that, I mean, I definitely struggle with that on a daily day, on day to day to day basis where like, what is it for? And then what is the, what is the right call? What is the right move? And it could very well be that, that like that internal nourishment isn't being met and just trying to find the thing that will, will fill that for me is probably proves a lot, a lot of big benefit in my life in other areas I wouldn't expect. Exactly. Addictions are so widespread now and people are trying to fill the emptiness within desperately. And we do it by trying to fill it with externalities. And that just gets the hole bigger and bigger. It, it doesn't fill it because it's not a physical hole. It's a spiritual hole. So we need spiritual nourishment. And what I believe across the board the spiritual nourishment that we need is gratitude. Gratitude is what changes it completely. It changes life because like, like you, I, I started asking at age 12, 
What's the purpose of all this? We get up every day to go to work, to make money, to buy food, to go to work, to make money. What, what's it all for? And it wasn't good enough. And I just, I searched in so many different ways. That's eventually why I ended up at Harvard because I was searching for ultimate wisdom. I Eventually, I just started doing well in school and studying hard to learn everything and hoping I would find that ultimate wisdom at Harvard. And what I found was, uh, it was fascinating there. I met a lot of really famous people. Um, I met like the children of the most powerful people. And I realized that fame, fame and fortune and power does not bring happiness. I met them. So like, I got to see firsthand that it's illusory, that I felt like I reached that mountain early in life, the, the top of the mountain, and there's nothing up there. So there's something more than that. that that's what I got to see. I think it's a, a good for me to hear in this moment because I think I, I was also applying. I was applying to Harvard a couple years ago. I was like, I'm going to, you know what? Like, I always, mine was a little bit of a, a moderately different motive. Um, it was, I always thought that it was for the others. It was always for them. And yes. I couldn't fit in with that group. Yes. Right? And yes. finally, I got to the point where I thought, why not? You know, if, if they say no, they say no, right? Yes. Um, and it it has a certain esteem to it. And yeah. I, thought, I don't know, I thought it was cool. I, I I don't know really what my point was there, but I I, I like you, you said like that's that's endless search for knowledge and figuring out that it really isn't there. I think it I I do like um the quote I, I'm reading a book called Many Lives Many Masters right now, and well the the chapter that I just finished ended off with uh, knowledge is how we get closer to God, and I think that it's just the appreciation for the search for the knowledge at the end of the day, and how we and it's not just like the 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 sciences and the maths, it's the the knowledge of of people and how we can interact with others and impact other people, and that I think that gratitude is really what's the fulfilling idea, not the the, the externals, like these things that we've created. Yes. What I came to learn is that the whole purpose of life is to experience gratitude. We were created for that purpose. This, this has blown me away. Like, I didn't believe in God growing up. My parents didn't. And, you know, I was not brought up that way. And I wasn't brought up to understand that I was a soul so that I didn't know what was missing from my life because if we're just physical beings, I had everything I needed, you know. I mean, I had a very simple life, but but something was missing and I didn't understand it because I was it was never explained to me that I was a soul. That's that's really why I write the children's books to explain to children early on in life so they know the secret to happiness early on and they don't have to play catch up and go through a lot of unnecessary pain in life. And what what I learned about God God was everything. In order, to, in order to create another, in order to have a relationship, 
God had to create the illusion of retraction. It's called in Hebrew, simsum, retraction, in order to, we're really a part of God. God is in all of us. That's the spark of God. That's our soul. But the illusion is that we're separate. And so that's why we were put in these bodies that are finite. They're the coverings for our soul. But our essence is a soul. And that way, so the whole purpose of our being here is really to experience gratitude. Like this world, we were put in this incredible garden, that's this planet, to enjoy it, all the natural, amazing things that are in it, but we've gone really far off course. And, 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 and we've just forgotten that we're here to experience and savor all the, all the deep pleasures um, with gratitude. For those that maybe don't, uh, maybe are even less so spiritual, or on the even on the on the furthest end of like the <laughs> atheist side, how do they find that in their own lives? You know. Yes, beautiful question. Beautiful question. I don't usually even mention the word God because many people it, it creates a defense. I was that way. I'll say the cos the cosmic oneness. You know, because people can relate to that or the the source. I, like I go to many yoga classes where people will talk about the source. You know, we can, we can talk in that language, the the energy source, the source of all energy. So what I learned about, and I think this is really transformational, it's what transformed my life, is something that's called the pleasure ladder, which is based on ancient mystical wisdom. The pleasure ladder has five rungs, which I believe it corresponds to our five fingers because it's a clear message. We can bring pleasure into our life, the deepest pleasure into our lives at any moment. And the five rungs correspond to the five levels of the human soul. And the lowest level of the soul is the part that's connected to our bodies. Um, in Hebrew, it's called the nefesh. And so this level of the soul, it, it derives its pleasure from all the sensual pleasures, all the natural sensual pleasures that were created for us to enjoy. When we experience them with gratitude, it nourishes both our bodies and our souls. So like you could name them like, all the natural foods, the oranges, the apples, the nuts, you know, everything, all the vegetation, being in nature, spending time in nature, movement, dance, yoga, swimming, running, gardening, um, music, all these things, they fill us with pleasure. And when we experience gratitude, they they nourish our hungry souls at the same time. So, and that's just the lowest level of pleasure. So do you want me, should I explain what the other levels are? Yes. Please, please. Yeah. yeah. I wrote, this is, by the way, I'm mentioning this. On my website, I have a free 
chart that people can download, put it on their refrigerator, on their cabinets. It goes into much more detail about what the five levels are. This is not coming from my head. This is ancient, ancient mystical wisdom. And it's it's the basics basis of life that we need to know in order to in order to know the secret to happiness, how to live a life of gratitude. So, so that's all the basic, the basic natural physical pleasures. The next level up is love. So you would think love, well, well, that can't be empowering because it's dependent on somebody else. We have to wait around for love to come into our lives. But the the ancient mystical definition of love is focusing on the virtues of another. What do you appreciate about someone else? So that we can bring into our lives at any moment. In prison, a person can focus on what a grandmother once did for them and they feel this warm emotional feeling of love and it can inspire them to become a better person in in solitary confinement you know it, love can get through any walls so so that's that's an even higher pleasure each each level up brings more connection because when we're in when we're in addiction we feel disconnected we feel estrangement, anxiety, depression, loneliness. We feel alone. That's what we feel. So this is how to bring greater and greater connection into one's life and pleasure. So that's what brings us pleasure. So the next level up from love is meaning. Doing something good and meaningful in the world. So I I was on another show and when I got to this level the, the host said that the he had just been eating pizza and he went through he finished two slices of pizza and he was about to plow through the whole box of pizza when there was a knock on the door his neighbor needed help with something for a couple of minutes he comes back he doesn't want the pizza anymore. What happened in those two minutes? He, he filled up. He filled up. He did yeah. something meaningful for another person. And he was able to put the rest of the pizza box in the fridge for the next day. Why do we overeat? Because it gives us immediate pleasure. And what we really want is lasting pleasure. So we just keep stuffing it in when we, when we feel a scarcity of pleasure in our lives. Like, I felt such a scarcity of pleasure. So that's why people binge eat and then they diet. And it just becomes a horrible way to live. Nothing, they call it emotional eating, but it's really, it's trying to fill a spiritual hole. So. That's, that's the level of me. And what's even higher, this is a surprise, an even higher level of pleasure is creativity. It's when you put a unique part of yourself into the world. When you do that, 
when you are busy being creative, you don't feel like eating or sleeping. You're in like a zone where time is passing and you're just totally, it, time doesn't matter. You're beyond time. That's, that's the zone of creativity. And the highest level is, is called transcendence. It's when, it's when we transcend our own limitations. We, 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 we make that first crack in a bad habit, in an addiction. We, we do something new that's hard. We, we transcend our limitations and we, we, we transcend into our souls. We become who we really are, our real selves. And also, it's when like the veils of separation between us get lifted and we recognize how we're all connected. Um, like we, re- we feel it under a starry, starry sky at night. Like that stays with us forever. We know we're a part of the greater universe. And, um, you know, we, we feel it when we recognize that like we're giving carbon dioxide, you know, we're giving off carbon dioxide. The plants need that. They're giving us oxygen. We're all connected. We're, it's like this amazing thing that's going on. To recognize that we, it's also, it's E equals MC squared. It's, it's Einstein. It's what, it's the simple, the simple equation that energy is in everything. We're all the same energy is being recycled all the time, and it's all coming from the same source. We're all connected to the same source energy. So that's that's basically the five levels of the pleasure ladder, and there's only one price to pay to climb the ladder, and that's gratitude. What's that? That's gratitude. Gratitude is what gets us on every single rung of this when we are when we're being creative with gratitude we don't run out of energy because we know it's coming from a source much greater than us it's it we're not filled up with ego like it like we're not going to collapse because that energy source is infinite it's it changes everything when we experience all this with gratitude it's it becomes joyful it takes away the fear it's it's it just transforms our entire existence to it's the, it's the secret to happiness yeah on number i mean i love the five and i think we should definitely download them as even if it's just a reminder day to day it's just like be grateful for for something today i like i liked your your the definition of love is to 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 see the virtue virtues in somebody else. Yes. I think that's uh, a good reminder for people not to rely on love on an external, like, oh, they're going to love me. So then now I feel love. It's I'm going to yes. feel love because I love other people. It's a very different perspective that I, I really, really appreciate. Exactly. And love yeah. ourselves. And- I should mention that too. It's all, this is all about, Filling ourselves up with loving compassion, recognizing that we are being loved 
infinitely, with infinite wisdom, all these physical things, these natural physical things were made for us with infinite love and wisdom. I, I want to give an example of an orange. It's my favorite example. An orange is green. All, they're all green. All the fruit are green. They're camouflaged in with the leaves until they're ready for us. Then they become bright and beautiful, the most beautiful colors. I'm ready. That's what they're calling to us. Come. So we take them and it smells beautiful. It looks beautiful. And then we taste the like the, the sweet juiciness. And when we experience it with gratitude and then we get to the end with mindful gratitude, we get to the pit, the seed. And that seed can become an infinite amount of trees and infinite more oranges. It's incredible, all the intelligence in that little seed. It's totally mind-blowing, just one orange, how much gratitude we could have for that. And then compare it, compare it to an orange-flavored tangy taffy, you know, where even the wrapper pollutes the environment. And, and we experience pleasure for, for like two seconds when it's right here, and then it just starts harming our body. And it, it, it's made with greed. It doesn't do anything good for us. So like, like these, these natural foods, they're made with, they're, made, they're designed to be delicious and nutritious. And the, the junk, which isn't even really food, is designed to be delicious and addictive. Like it's a totally different type of uh, substance. Yeah. There's no, there's no desire for those items to give too much, um, too much fulfillment to too, too much fulfillment. Cause otherwise, you know, you'd have two of them and then you're done, you know, and they want to sell as many bags as they can possibly sell. So exactly. how can we create a enough experience that's going to continue to leave you wanting more and more and more every single time? Exactly. I recently finished a I recently did a seven-day fast. Uh, by day six, I ended up having a little bit of jaundice, so I ended up eating food that day. Uh, but it was a really fun experience to, to uh, as a remembrance that I don't need to eat. Right, I, I can go hours with without mm. food, and if I have good nutritious food when I first start coming back, then I need less food, and I don't need this constant these breads, the the McDonald's, the Wendy's, the fast food chains, the anything else on the side of the road. I can wait. I might have a craving right now because they're, they've done really good job at marketing and understanding the way my brain works. But I know that if, if I look inside, when I wait and I get to make something for myself that's from from scratch and I get to grill my own onions and put everything inside the bowl and then finally consume that thing, that one bowl and that one experience will probably be more gratifying than those two burgers at a fast food restaurant. Yes, exactly. And if you experience them with gratitude, that really is so much of what's missing. You know what I mean? If we add in that spiritual side to it, that fills us with lasting pleasure. 
It changes everything. That mindful gratitude makes the experience totally different. Um, you know, one of the so other. Right. I think. Yeah. The more I think about. The more I think about the gratitude and how it can change somebody's experience, I think when when I'm having a good time and I and like oh wow like I'm just just I, I went to a really cool concert recently because a client of mine had had the opportunity to offer me a ticket and for me just to stand there and like wow like just to say that I'm here today that I get to do that I get to live in this experience is beautiful and I get to come home with this and I'm going to remember this for a very very long time. And yes. then you, if, if, if I didn't happen to have somebody that was there that was a negative, but they were like, oh man, I don't know. Like we didn't get the best seats or we didn't get this or we didn't get that. It's like, just, just be grateful that you're here. Like that you can spend the time to be, to have this experience today. And you might not have ever, like there are people in the world that will never get to just experience this thing that you are right now. Exactly. So just sit in it. And soak it all up. And it feels exactly. so good. Exactly. To savor, to linger in the joy. This is where we got to come back to. That's what it's all about. In fact, like now I say, oh, so we wake up in the morning to go to work, to make money, to buy food, to go. It's, it's, a, it's the same same thing. When you look at it with eyes of gratitude, it's completely transformed, the same life. So one of the ways, too, that you can experience it is through chewing slowly is just an exercise, like not preparing the next spoonful or forkful of food. It kind of, it gets you to focus on what is in your mouth right now. Because we tend to just keep going, stuffing our faces. So let's say we just, okay, I'm, I'm not even going to prepare the next fork. I'm going to focus on what I have and then chew it. And then I actually taste it. And then I experience it. And then I remember to feel grateful for it. It gives me time to do that. What that does is just that exercise alone it trains you to do that about your entire life. So just from the chewing slowly, it gets you to not go for the next bite of something. Enjoy what you have already. That's really the secret. Because like in our society, it's all about, I need this, I gotta get that. Enjoy what we already have because our lives are so full of abundant blessings right now. Every single person, anyone hearing this, it's unbelievable how full of blessings it is already. I forgot what the switch was, but within the last several years, I consciously had made like that that first decision to, or just, I don't know, maybe realized I woke up to some degree and was like, man, I'm, I just like scarf this food. Like I just, I put it down and it, and I, I don't really know what I'm eating sometimes. And I had right. a moment where I, I did stop where I'm going to, I'm going to like, you, you have that, like that, that sandwich that you're like eating and eating and eating instead, take a bite and then put it down. And then just Amazing. like, look, look, breathe, listen, taste. And then 
grab and lift, right? It, it's it, instead of just down and just trying to shove it down my my mouth. Like it, this time, I get to you know sit and enjoy, and it's a full experience. And it, it doesn't matter sometimes if it's if it's you know you, you go out. And you're going to have a nice dinner for a birthday and like you can have that experience there um, or you can have it here at home every single when you have a coffee, when you have um, just when you go outside and just that breath when you first walk outside, just to be grateful for being able to be alive is, is huge. Exactly. Exactly. They they say that um, if a, if a person wins the lottery. Or if a person, God forbid, becomes paralyzed, six months later, they're at the same happiness set point they were at before that ever happened. But what actually changes a person is practicing gratitude. That changes a person forever on. (laughs) So it's not what happens to you. It's what happens in here. We can change how we look at life. Um, if, if, if we're not grateful for what we have right now, why will we be happy with what we get tomorrow? It will go back to the same place. So it's about exercising those gratitude muscles. Yes. So what are some, what are some things that you do to help exercise those muscles? Yeah. You know, first of all, my, my newest book for children, I'm going to hold this up. It's called Don't Read This Book. It's written in the voice. We, it's normal. We all have a voice in our heads trying to get us to be miserable. And it's talking to us all day long. So I started this book 30 years ago. I started writing it. I had the title. I had most of the book. But I did not have a, the right ending for it. So each time I worked on it, I go, it's not ready. This is not ready for children. Finally, last year, I got the last piece of wisdom that I needed to finish the book. And then it was ready to be published. Because wow. here, here's the secret. This is it. That voice inside our heads, it's always getting us to focus on what we're lacking. That's what it does all the time. Like you said, you're at the concert and you could be thinking, oh, but I didn't get such great seats and it's too loud here or whatever. We can always, this is what it does automatically. Its job is to get you to be miserable. That's what it's doing. And we all have this. It's the inner critic. It's the self-destructive impulse. that. So basically... What we can teach young children early on in life, could you imagine? We're teaching, I'm teaching young children this. They recognize it. The minute you recognize that voice is talking, it loses its power that moment. You right away, oh my gosh, it's that voice trying to get me miserable. First of all, just recognizing it, it's like the Wicked Witch of the West. It like melts away. It runs away the minute you mention, the minute you recognize that you take away its power by recognizing that it's talking. So the first thing is clarity because it, it thrives on confusion, getting you confused. You're not really, oh, why be, why be happy? No, you should be miserable. No, the, so clarity. Oh, 
right. It's this is natural and normal. You're trying to get me to be miserable, but I'm not. I'm going to focus on what I have. I'm going to be grateful instead. That takes all the power away. But the surprise ending to the book is what I just came to last year, and that's this wisdom. That part of our brain that's trying to get us to be miserable, it was put there by the cosmic oneness also. In other words, it really, it's also good for us. It's a personal trainer. It really doesn't want us to listen to it. So you find that at the end of the book, don't read this book, that it really wanted you to read the book. It's written in the voice of that voice. So it really wanted you to read the book and find out its secrets. The secret is that it is a personal trainer that really wants to help you. It wants you to push it off like barbells. That's how we get muscles. By we build our gratitude muscles, pushing off that voice that's getting us all day long to be miserable. Every time we do it, it gets easier and easier. We build the gratitude muscles the more we exercise them. And that's it. Nothing to be afraid of. That voice is not scary. It really is on your side, but it has to look like it's your personal trainer getting you to work hard and push it off. What a fantastic analogy. I mean, I think uh, something that a lot of people can relate to. I mean, that's, that is absolutely wonderfully done. I, I mean, that resonates with me obviously, and that I am a personal trainer. And so, you know, it just, it makes sense to me. I've, I've grown up in the gym and so like, it, it really hits home for, for me personally. And I, and I, I would imagine for a, a heck of a lot of people that realize, uh, that being in the gym is hard and it sucks and it's not always fun. Uh, but ultimately, it is there to make you better, and I and I think a lot of times it can is consistently hard that voice or that that weight. It, it just it always seems difficult, but you have to like. But then you see that maybe the 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 intensity is is growing on the barbell, right? So like I started off with twenty five pounds, and it is it's it was started off really really hard to lift, and I couldn't get through those struggles, and then finally I added ten pounds. And then now it's hard again. Uh, what, what the heck, you know? And then I added two, 10 pounds more and like, oh my gosh. And then finally look back and say, oh, wow, look how far I've come. Like now the, the thing that I did struggle with, maybe it was the, the, the inability to feel grateful in specific moments that I was training and training and training. And now that is gone. And maybe there's a new challenge where yes. it's going to ultimately elevate me as a human being. And so, yes, it, it, it's going to be tough again. And but it's it's the same amount of tough. I just have the better skills to approach that new tough movement. I have the better form. I have the better technique. And so now I can recognize it faster. And I know how to adjust. I know when to rest. I know when yes. I just need to push through. Right. It, it, it's it, that's a huge, a really, really good analogy. Push, push, exactly. That's the neurons. You know, when we first, you were asking me, how do I do it? Like when you first start practicing gratitude, you feel really silly and it feels awkward. And like, you know, when you travel on a road 
that has not been traveled on. It's like all gravelly and it's hard to drive the car. But once you put those grooves in, it's so much easier afterwards to keep going in those grooves. That's what we're doing. We, when we overeat or have another addiction, feel that anxiety, it's, it's the top of the brainstem, the amygdala, it's firing. It's saying, there's a scarcity of pleasure. You got to do something, be afraid. You got to stuff it in, you know? And, and so if we take one second and we say, pause, it's that pause. It's that space between, before the reactivity. If we create that pause and we say, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? And then the neurons, they, they go all the way up here to the prefrontal cortex. They go to the front of the brain. And you've just asked a question like, is it my body that's hungry or my soul? You know the answer perfectly well. Just that pause gets you. And then you know what? You can, you can, you can get an orange instead of finishing the whole bag of potato chips. You can, you can text somebody and, and leave a text message. You don't even have to speak to them and tell them what you appreciate about them. You can turn on music and start dancing. And, and when you do these things, like the bag of potato chips stops calling your name that very second. It's amazing. Like the whole container of ice cream that you were trying to finish desperately to fill yourself up, it's, it stops calling your name right then and there. It's unbelievable. The minute we fill ourselves up, with the real lasting pleasure, with gratitude. And what's incredible is you don't even have to do these things. You can just think about doing them because it's just the awareness that there's an abundance of ways to fill yourself up. And that's enough to help you to to stop, to get unstuck from whatever addiction you're involved with that, that just thinking about it helps you don't even have to do the thing but just be aware that all these things are available to you it it brings you back the power because like when a person is in an addiction they feel out of control and they feel like the world's out of control that's how i felt i felt like i was in a world that was random, like random, like this makes no sense, this life. Once I understood that there was an ultimate goodness to life and and a genuine goodness to ourselves, that that changed the whole perspective because now I could trust again in the world and trust in myself. I, you know, I've, I've definitely had my times of, of struggling with through, through many addictions. And I think that a lot of us do, especially with, um, the environment we're, we're in, where everything seems to always just trying to play towards <clears throat> those addictive qualities that we yes. naturally have. And so it's, it, you are very right where it is just, even if it's just a thought of, man, I, you know, I really appreciate the fact that, 
I get to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. I, I appreciate the fact that I got to, I, you know, I'm sitting in, with a roof over my head. These these little things that are like, okay, there there are some there's some there's some guidance here. Um, the world isn't innately good. It's just remembering to to look at the good rather than focusing on that bad. Because I think yes. we we have the opportunity to create our our own uh, heavens and hells here on, on yes. this on, through this existence and. If you focus on the good, then I mean, I mean, I'm living in heaven. You know, what, what's the difference? You know, I'm, I'm yes. living in that higher state of being, yes. uh, rather than just focusing on the negative that forces me to live in this, like this deep, dark place that is isn't necessary. And it, it is things like taking that that apple or that orange, and the experience of even opening it up and getting my fingers with all that oil and then like being able like smell the oil on my fingers and then a lot of times you smell it for hours after you've had the orange like yes. it's something that would good nourish my body and was, uh, like good for the brain as well exactly you you you're not you're not going to eat a whole bag of oranges cuz the oranges are designed to be filling with fiber and nutrients but you are you, you can easily finish the whole container of ice cream, the whole bag of potato chips, the whole box of chocolate chip cookies. It's designed that way. It's designed, like you were saying, to make you want more and more. It's not satisfying. It's not giving your body what it needs. And it and and in the lab they make it so it hits this bliss point that you have to keep getting more. They know they. They have just, we don't even have to, a person doesn't have to feel guilty when they overeat the junk because they're just reacting the way the substance was made. Your body is just responding in the way the substance was made for your body to respond. Once we recognize that, it takes away a lot of the guilt too because, you know, people, when they, uh, they, they can't expect to just start eating healthy and not have relapses. So when you ha- a person has a relapse, then they will feel, oh, well, I ate this junk. I'll just eat some more junk and keep going. But the truth is that you could, and the guilt makes a person just like wallow in the guilt and just keep having more junk. So, so the feeling is, no, I was just responding the way this this substance is making me respond. It's not even my fault, you know. And then um, to to recognize, I, I, like th- those those substances are made with like abnormal amounts of um, sugar and salt and fat that are not found in nature. So they are. Um, um, not exactly um, what are helpful to us. And um, right, the, the more we can recognize that. Um, and also another, another trick is to use gratitude like this. Let's say a person ate five candy bars. They could say, instead of saying, oh gosh, now I've eaten five candy bars, you go, well, I didn't eat 10 candy bars. I didn't I'm grateful I didn't eat 50. I'm gr- and if you ate 50, I'm grateful I didn't eat 250. You know, there's always something to be grateful for. It's all in your perspective. Yeah.
I think so long as we have the goal of decreasing that overall number, I definitely agree, right? Like, yes. if I every single day, oh man, at least I didn't have 250, but I had 50 every single day. Probably still not the best case scenario, right? I think having that long term goal of just giving yes. myself love, like, it's, yes. it's just, you know, like maybe one a day is really all that I and my soul really need. And, <laughs> It's it's a journey to get there, and I think it's surrounding yourself with all the other environmental pieces, and that's the right community. That's the right level of movement for that individual. Some people need to go on two runs a day. Some people right. just need to go for a walk a day. Right. It just depends on where you're at. But right. Finding that nourishment in not just that one item, but in multiple different in different fields. I mean, I love. I miss and I love being around a dinner table after, you know, I, I make this meatloaf. It takes me, this meatloaf takes me four and a half hours to make. I mean, it takes wow. me all day to make. Um, wow. And I get to get some really good people sitting at the dinner table where we all get to share in this, in this labor of love. And then we share about our days. And, you know, you have one plate rather than, you know, eating it alone. I might have two, three plates. And then, like, okay, like we, we got some satisfaction out of our meal. We got satisfaction on uh, the movement throughout the day to create the meal. And then we also got satisfaction from the community that I'm around. Then Beautiful. now we're, we're hitting on all of the mental things there that allow me to just continue to level up. And hopefully, you know, that, that transcendence is definitely that self-actualization, that, self, that, that transcendence is, is closer and closer. Beautiful. That what you described, you described so many levels at once that you were on on the pleasure ladder, you know, the creativity of the meatloaf, giving it to other people, sharing it with them, the love, appreciating the people around your table, the pleasure of the healthy food that you made. Oh my gosh, so much gratitude. It's awesome. That's the way to live. It's it's just it's an awesome way to live. Yes. And and I, I, no, go ahead, please. Yeah. It just it reminds me of I thought like when I was growing up, this idea of like the white picket fence America, right? Where um, you know I'm taking sugar to my neighbor, and we were exchanging coffee beans, and I was sad to realize that's not as common. Or maybe it was one day very common and it's become less common nowadays. And I was in Costa Rica a little while ago and we, you know, um, we were staying with, with a family and she walked out and she knew that the gentleman across the street, I guess he had called over, uh, was out of some coffee. And so she brought over just a little bag of coffee. He's like, I'm going to go to town in the next couple of days. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, I was like, oh, don't, you know, here, here's the, you know, a couple little baggies. This will get you over for the next couple of days. All right, well, it was good seeing you, you know, take care. Bye-bye. And then kind of went off. And it was like that, that idea that, you know, it still exists. And I think ultimately we have to be the change we want to see, right? Be that yes. friend that invites the people over. Be the person yeah. that is creating meals, inviting people over to, to share in the creation of that meal, uh, sharing and create like a tradition, a, a traditional meal. Um, that transfer of knowledge, I think, is also very gratifying. Beautiful. So true. We can create that. We can live in this amazing garden with other people, enjoying each other, enjoying nature. 
or we can live in a prison. That's the choice that we get. The prison of addictions where the walls get narrower and narrower. That's where I was living. It didn't look like it. I was at Harvard Medical School. And meanwhile, the, the walls were getting more and more narrow. And when you're in an addiction, you, you, it's usually done in secret. So nobody knows how you're suffering. Nobody has any idea. And the amazing thing about an addiction, it's the only prison where the locks are on the inside. It's not, no one else is locking it. We have the key. We can get out, but we don't know. And, but the more that people learn how to get out, they actually can. This is really, it's, it's a secret to unlocking, unlocking the deepest joy in life. My addictions are definitely quiet. I, I, I wanted nobody to know because I felt shamed that I felt Shame. so shameful because, you know, I, I, I had finished, you know, my undergraduate degree. I was competing for, you know, Team USA, the successful guy again on the outside and working in the labs and, and getting my master's. And the entire time I was just, I was suffering inside from some, right. some just misuse of, of drugs. And it was just, it was not, it was not okay, but I didn't know how else. I, I felt like I couldn't ask for help to some degree. Like right. I wasn't allowed to. Like I've right. made it this far on my uh, on my own, so then I should be able to get through this on my own. And I think right. most often when people try to do it on their own, they don't unfortunately make it out. So, wh- how did you? I I reached out to friends. I reached out to family, and continued to. I had I was in therapy. I yeah. Uh, you know, I think having those, I had some, some scares where I finally, you know, made some, made some calls in those moments. And I was like, this is what I've been doing. And I'm really worried. And I don't know that I can get out. And I just, I need help. Yes. And it was, it was kind of weird to, to say like, oh, like in that moment, like, yep, this is, this is me. Like the, the, in this moment, this is who I am. And, and I, if I continue to try to to not accept it then i'm going to make myself worse and worse off and i just i need to accept this is where i am this is not who i am this is not like my definitive characteristic it just it happens to be that i have an addictive addictive personality um i can and then that can play to be a benefit right I, i can use this towards good things and uh right now i'm not and so i need to to find a way to get out Yes. For yes. It was hard though. Connection. Connection. Exactly. The, the, I, I believe that addicts are the most exposed souls. Addicts are very, are sensitive people with exposed souls that recognize the emptiness within. And they're trying desperate ways to fill it without knowing what actually fills it until they find, until we find what fills it, you know, we're very lost. So thank God we have infinitely resilient souls like your soul that reached out 
for the connection. It knew it needed connection because the addict's life is totally self-centered and um, disconnected. Disconnected, that's the main feeling, a feeling of aloneness. So that you reached out was your soul that it was your soul that was able to do that because what happens is there are many layers. There's many layers that get put on our souls, covering up. It's always shining. Is is this a video or it's only um audio? It'll be both. Yeah. So this is what happens. Like we have a soul. It's always shining. But like when we put the coverings over it, you can't see that it's shining. And that's what we do. We've been through pain. We've been through trauma, abuse, neglect. And it's still shining. So as these coverings get removed through help, support from other people that you found, and also through nourishing the more we nourish our hungry soul, the light gets stronger again, and and it melts away these layers that are covering it. So that's it's a two pronged thing to nourish our hungry souls and get support, the support that we need in order to shine again, let our souls shine. That's what I say. All my books, what they all have in common is helping souls to shine. Whether, like, I have books about the prevention of abuse for children because abuse puts so many blockages, coverings over the soul. The child needs to protect themselves, so gets covered up, neglect. I have books about healthy eating, exercise, even swimming safely. Having a healthy body is a very important part of of having a soul that can fully shine. So so I have books that are spiritual and also books about just public health that help that help you know because that's we we all like you had the most resilient soul that it was always in there and that's how you were able to reach out despite despite the addiction there's hope for every single person. Yeah. How- what what prompted the 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 desire to share the knowledge through through books and then I, I know you said educating the children will hopefully catch them up or speed them up so they don't fall behind. Uh, yeah. But what was that initial uh, initial prompt to uh, to start writing books? Yeah, I I the I wanted to write the books I wished I had as a child, books that teach children in the clearest, calmest, most joyful way that they're spiritual beings right off the bat from as early in life as possible so that they will know the secrets to happiness and have the tools for happiness as early in life as they can. That, that's been my goal, and that's what, that's what I'm doing. It's, it's a tremendous joy. Um, so... I, I, I mean, I worked for years. I, I was the, like, the coordinator of a Big Brother, Big Sister program, helping children also get mentorship in life. And um, I did that for many years. And now I'm fully working on this. 
I, I, I give presentations I, in schools and in congregations, and and I write the books that you know are really helping children to understand this. And and it's a, um, you know it's a tremendous joy to be able to do this. So yeah. Um, did you have some strong mentors when you were growing up, or did you lack those mentors when you while you were growing mm. up? Um. My father was, um, he was a really happy person. He was, he had very low expectations in life. He was a very simple man. He did, he was not a spiritual person, but he was simple and he was happy. And, and I learned from him very much about, not expecting a lot from life and being happy with what you have. My mother was um, a very sensitive person, much more psychological, and I. So they were mentors for me in different ways, and and I I feel like I learned wonderful things from both of them. And then I went searching for what was missing, a spiritual understanding about life, which they never got in their own lives, you know. So. I was glad to get back my heritage and combine those good things they gave me and, um, you know, just be able to create this life. So, yeah. Are they still in the U.S.? They're they're no longer alive. I mean, but my parents, I went back to the States when they were getting older and to help take care of them. And when my mother passed away, it was really nice that – that she wanted my father to live with us. He had Alzheimer's and it was beautiful. He spent the last years of his life with us and it was wonderful because we had a whole bunch of children and he loved being around them all the time. And and he got to enjoy our religious way of life even though he had never grown up with it. Like he'd ask every day, he'd wake up and he'd go, is it the Sabbath today? He, we call it Shabbos, but he'd say, is it the Sabbath today? Because he... He loved when we'd all be around him and singing and eating together. And, you know, so it was really beautiful. But <laughs> that is, that's very yeah. beautiful. I think if, you know, that's a, that's a wonderful way to experience some Alzheimer's. I'd say, you know, I had yesterday, I had an individual on Lisa Skinner who is in the space of talking about Alzheimer's and yeah. how detrimental it can. And so definitely hearing, I think the opposite end of it is uh, it's a little bit more warm because it felt very doom and gloom. Um, so it's it's nice to know that not everyone with Alzheimer's is, you know, going having the experiences that she's that she's had or has has seen. It's 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 harder on the people on the caretakers than on the person themselves, as 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 the as the his doctor used to say. Your father gets to meet nice new people every day, you know, because like he doesn't remember that he's, you know, and it was I mean, it could have been very painful for me, too. There were painful moments because he had no idea I was his daughter, you know, taking care of him. And if I thought about it, it was painful. But I I learned from him too. focus on the good stuff, you know, so 
he up until like the very end, he'd be really happy about a baked potato. You know, he just like he was like a very simple person, and uh, yeah. Love that. I mean, talk about talk about being grateful for for the little things. You know, just just what you're talking about and how how that can bring a lot of joy even in hard times. I mean, that's yes. I mean the best I think that you can that you can give. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we all can do that. We all can turn it around by how we look at things. You just have to practice. The more you practice it, the easier it gets to be able to do that. You're making me want to go outside and just take a little bit of a walk here, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When a, a, think when a person's overeating, open the windows, just feel the sunshine, feel the breeze. It changes, ch- changes everything. It really does. I say, what's the difference between a happy life and a miserable life? It's how grateful you are. Yeah, it's exactly your perspective, how grateful you are. That is the difference between a happy life and a miserable life, right? I love it. Well, I think, Bracca, I think that's a lot of a lot of good stuff in this one. And I, I hope that everything's okay out in, in Israel. And I hope, you know, things things slow down and, and become a little bit more reasonable, if you will. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, it's, it's a very hard time right now. What keeps me going is again, my perspective, like you said, it's knowing that we may go through even more hard times here, but ultimately it's all going to be good. That much I know, which I did not know before. So I can trust in that. And there may be more painful times ahead. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. But I'm just trusting, and I know that it's all for an eventual good in the end. Yes, ma'am. Where can people find you? Uh, emails or or website or you know. I, I hope that everyone kind of sends out some some love and and you know just just even if it's just a thought. Uh, Thank you about what's going on out there. Where where can people find you? Thank you. We appreciate all the support we get. I can't tell you. It feels like a hug. Just getting an email from somebody, you know, giving support. It really, it feels so warm and wonderful. But my children created this amazing website, and that's the best way to reach me. It's www.getsbookshop.com, and Gets is spelled that funny way, G-O-E-T-Z. And there's a lot of stuff there, including the pleasure ladder to download. So I hope you'll enjoy that. You'll see all my books there. You can meet them all. And um, yeah, so, it, and it'll give my children a lot of joy if you visit the website too. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Thank you so much for the time today, Rocket. Real pleasure to be with you. I loved I loved how you resonate. Thank you so very much. Thank you. I think you you know, I think the conversations like these end up I think changing people's lives and so I it makes me happy to to have you on and I hope that you know people will continue to listen to this and I think that this is one that 
I personally would probably put on replay every once in a while when you're just having one of those days where you just need a reminder of of maybe it's a tough time and maybe you're going through through some hard addictions right now and you don't want anybody to know, but just to know it's okay to, to ask for help and it's okay to to be grateful and, and there's a lot going on in, in all of our lives that we, we have the opportunity to be grateful for. So I think that this is a, I think this is massive. I think this is huge. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and end our recording. Any Before we end, I think just any advice you'd like to give anybody before we, before we tune out. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll share this one little story. Picture a man on the top of a roof, ready to jump. And a a lady sees him across the way and she says, don't jump, whatever you do. And he said, why not? She says, well, I'm sure you're in a ton of pain right now. I'm sure you have a ton of problems if you want to do this. What if in addition to all your problems, what if you are also blind? And what if right now you were given the gift of sight? Would you still jump off? And he said, no, of course not. And she said, okay, that's what you have right now. You've been blind and now you have the gift of sight. You have so much to be thankful for. Open your eyes and see. You have two hands, you have two legs, you got up here, you're breathing. There's a sky, there's a tree. You have tons of pain in your life, but you have so much to be grateful for also. Open your eyes and see that. And that's all of us. That's all of us. We all all are blind and we can all open our eyes and see the abundance of ways that we can bring pleasure into our lives any moment. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.